0: Welcome to the Fairview Alliance Church Podcast. We're so glad to have you here today. Our prayer is that through this message, you'd be encouraged, uplifted, and discover more about a God who loves you deeply and faithfully. If you're interested in finding out more about our community, visit our website, fairviewallionschurch.com or visit our Facebook page, Fairview Alliance Church. We'd like to take a moment just to thank you, the listeners, for sharing and subscribing to our podcast. Without you, it wouldn't be possible. Now... Prepare your hearts as you tune into this week's new message with our lead pastor Mario Catalan. Love waking up early on a Sunday morning. Amen. Like, am I the only one? But today I think is just such a special day, isn't it? When you get what okay, thank you for the one person who agrees. Appreciate that. Uh, Today is such a special day for us because, as a community, we get to celebrate. And you know, we believe we believe in miracles. And often, sometimes we we kind of like classify someone like grows back an arm that's fallen off, or someone like like regrows a limb as that that's a miracle. But we really believe, as a community of faith that even seeing people in 2018 choosing Jesus, celebrating that in front of people, we don't take that lightly and we're thankful as a church. And, uh, man, I'm, I'm excited. And I, and I promise you, it is for the first time, maybe not even because of the caffeine that I'm excited. I'm just, I'm just, I'm hyped, man. I, seeing during hyped is, um, uh, never mind. But... We don't got time for that, but uh, just seeing the worship, seeing, uh, man, what an emotional day it is, and uh, bear with me, I'm excited to preach this, and this is going to be, Pastor Allen told me, he's like, John, we're giving you like three hours this morning, so I'm really excited, and um, that's a joke, some of you are here for the first time, you're like, this is the wrong church, this is the first and last time I'm here, and uh, it's special, I just want to say this, we're going to be reading from Acts chapter 9, verse 26 this morning, and uh, I think today is just a special day because I get to see spiritual family getting baptized, and I get to see my blood family getting baptized, seeing my uncle, and uh, man, God is so good. He is so good, amen. He is so good, and we get this privilege of putting our faith in him and seeing him do exceedingly abundant Always more than we could think or imagine. and So we're going to be reading this verse. Acts is this, narrated, this narration of life after Jesus. It's recording pretty much the early years of the church and what it looked like once Jesus left. And uh, it's amazing to see that even when Jesus was gone, the church was, like, was born after Jesus left. And I think it's amazing to see that sometimes we plant seeds into people that we only get to see sometimes not even in our own lifetime. And it's amazing to see this church that's growing and it's, 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 on, the, it's on the up and up. And uh, we see this, this is kind of an introduction in this chapter to this very well-known person that most of us know if you grew up in church and I think they have a new movie on him, on his life. Um, I'm sure he looked exactly the same as the actor. Um, Mediterranean, blue eyes, blonde hair, this was for sure him. Very accurate historical um, description of who he is for sure. <laughs> so we're going to be reading from um, verse 26. Now, it says, when he came, meaning Paul, to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul, on his journey, on his journey, had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. And he talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, which were immigrant and dispersed Jews that had, that had kind of merged cultures with the Greeks, and they tried to kill him. And when the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him to Tarsus. And then the church throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria, enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, they increased in numbers. And uh, the title of this morning's talk is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be short, but the title of this morning's talk is On His Journey. Just touch three people, say On His Journey, and we're just going to pray. And I say this as an excuse to drink water. On his journey. Let's pray. God, thank you so much. You're so good. You want to speak to us this morning. We don't want to leave this place because we came here by habit or routine. We want to leave this place with an impartation from your word. Maybe some of us came for, uh, we were forced. Maybe some of us came exciting. But God, you're so good that you're going to speak to all of us this morning. So be with us, we pray. In Jesus' name, everyone says. Amen. Amen. Hey, uh, I, I lived three years in Europe. After I was 18, um, my parents kicked me out of the house. And um, I mean, they didn't actually kick me out. They just strongly suggested, no, not even that. My mom was devastated when I left. Um, and I like to brag about that, David, wherever you are. <laughs> but, um, and so I went to uh, my first year of school. I lived in this city, you may have heard of it, called Rome. Um, beautiful city, enormous city. And, you know, I always grew up thinking, strongly believing that I was Italian. And I kind of only realized that I was like this cross-breed third culture, and if you, you know this if you're an immigrant, right? You no longer become the country that you come from, and you're not really part of the country where you live in, and you kind of become this, like, this untitled specimen, right? And so I realized when, like, when I'm with the Canadians, they're like, you're not Canadian, you're Italian. And then I go to Italy, and the Italians are like, you're not Italian, you're American. I'm like, what? Like, like in Europe, they had this idea that Canada's like this little sister country of the USA, right? And so they're like, you're American. And I'm like, I am just confused. I'm confused. And uh, going to Italy, I learned right away that the way we dress here doesn't really qualify for the way they dress there. And uh, I love superheroes. I'm a big superhero guy. And I loved sports. So my whole wardrobe at the time, until I was 18, 19, it, com- like, it was composed of superhero T-shirts, Spider-Man, Superman, like you name it, I got it, and my-, my soccer jerseys. And I didn't realize that in Italy, it's not socially acceptable to wear those kind of things in public. And so right away, I learned, and thank God, there were some people that would kind of criticize what I was wearing. They're like, really, you're going to wear that outside? You know, there's other people outside there, too. I'm like, okay. And so they kind of instructed me, you're not going to, you can't wear this, you can't wear this, you can't wear this. And that, I I used to like, it used to be a big deal when I would have to wear suits, right? Who dresses up, like, just for fun? Okay, okay. Not me. Uh, and I learned that I had to put suits. And in the school, they had this regulation that when you left to go to another church, you had to wear suit and tie all the time. Okay? Now, I, I pretty much struggled at that, church, at, at that school because I always felt like I was the black sheep. Like, they would tell me, you don't look like us. You don't talk like us. Uh, you, you speak differently than us. When you preach, you move too much. And some of you are trying to, like, follow me as they say that. And so one thing was funny that I didn't grow up wearing a suit. And so one thing I had to learn was how to make a tie, or how to how to make a tie, tie a tie. Okay, thank you. Uh, and it was funny because I was always the last one running down the stairs. And uh, I didn't have my tie. And the older students would be like, you need to put your tie. I'm like, bro, I don't know how to put a tie on. And so, and it was funny because for maybe six months, I would, it's the same scenario, running down the stairs, trying to put on a tie. Everyone's saying, you got to put your tie. I don't know how to put your tie. And, you know, it was so funny because everybody was so quick to tell me I had to put a tie on. Nobody thought it was necessary to teach me how to put a tie on. And so I'm going to ask Kevin. Kevin is my friend. Can we just give a hand? Kevin's getting baptized this morning. And, um, and so I remember there was, there was this one person at my school that he took me on the side. He's like, John, we're going to teach you how to tie a tie today. I'm like, his name was Christian. I'm like, Christian. I'm like, it's just not a possibility. I think it's too late. I'm too, like, I just, I'm not going to learn how to do it. He's like, no, I'm going to teach you. And so after two hours of practice... Imagine I forget how to tie a tie today. Okay, no. But after, <laughs> I'm sorry, Christian, if you're listening to this podcast, which I doubt because you're Italian and you will not speak English. But anyway, um, but, you know, it, it's funny because, like, with his patience, okay, he taught me, he was determined to teach me how to tie a tie. And I think this is so symbolic, and I'm, I'm going to just show you that I can do it, okay. But I think it's so symbolic because in life you'll have people who will tell you you have to put your tie on. And you'll have people who will teach you how to put a tie on. You see this? This is good, right? Okay. I got it. I got it. I'm not going to wear it, but you got to make sure. You don't want to put the tie. The tie shouldn't pass your your seat, your, your belt. Just just to show you. But, you know, and I think we're reading this passage. And Paul is now realizing it's time to put his tie on. He's reading. We're reading this passage. And Paul, if you don't know who Paul was, he was this gangster kind of terrorist, educated scholar that was persecuting the Christian faith. And so people had known Ty, for su- uh, had known Paul for superhero t-shirts. They saw that there was this distinct person that was now transitioning into a new kind of person. And so he shows up at this church. He shows up. We're all in Jerusalem, which was the central place of faith. And he sees that all of a sudden these people that he thought like, hey, I'm a Christian, you're a Christian, we could be friends now. And they see Paul and they're kind of terrified. Like terrified is an understatement. They're literally like, hey, isn't this the guy that was killing us like a couple of years ago? Like wasn't this the guy who was dragging people and he, wasn't he the reason that this guy uh, Stephen died? And he, he died by reason of stoning. And so this church, this body of believers is facing a shock because they're seeing Paul for who he was and not for who he is. And I want to open your eyes this morning briefly that we are all in life on a journey. This isn't an overused phrase. This isn't just common church rhetoric. We are literally all on a journey progressing towards somewhere. And we might think that when we stop moving, we stop, you know, progressing, but even when you stop moving, you're actually still going somewhere, you're going backwards. Have you ever been in an ocean, walked in an ocean, and uh, and you think that you're just staying in the same place, but the current, without you realizing, is actually bringing you further and further and further away from where you formerly were. And it was funny because my dad is hard to miss on the beach, okay. He is the only albino Sicily in Sicily, okay. He's wearing like high socks, sombrero hat, (laughs) undershirt, and he's really hard to miss. And I hadn't realized that the current brought me so far away with my little brother at the time that we had lost sight of who my dad was. And I think this morning we're all on a journey. You might feel like you're drifting away or maybe now you're only kind of realizing that where you were is no longer where you are. I want to share three quick points. Are you ready? Very quick. My first point is this, and I don't know if I spelled this right. I kind of asked David in the car. He didn't really know. But this is my first point. Move past the person of your past. Move past the person of your past. Now, Let's look at this verse again. It says, all those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among all those who call on his name, meaning Jesus' name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to be the chief of priests? I want to say this morning that we ought to be, as Jesus followers, astonished. We need to have this sense of wonder, this sense of surprise in our walk with Jesus. We need to know that that God is so good, and I think that if some, I think that sometimes we begin to regress, we begin to walk backwards in our faith when we lose the wonder of what it means to follow Jesus. And I think sometimes, and on a day like this, I praise God because I think of where we were as a church. I think of where I was as a person, and I thank God because what He's done in my life. You think I'm crazy now? Well, you should have met me five years ago. <laughs> You're like, well, he could be worse. Like what? Um, oh yes, I can. But, you know, we ought to have this this sense of astonishment that what God is doing in our life is so much greater than we could think, dream, or imagine. We need to be astonished. I love how Paul comes into this uh, this group of people, right? And they are literally astonished. They're like, no, uh, this guy, there is no way that he is coming to church today. There is no way. I want to ask you. When was the last time you were astonished by the person that walked into church? When was the last time you were astonished? And I'm saying on, on Friday nights I get to be the youth pastor, the youth and young adult pastor. Sometimes I'm astonished at the kind of people that walk in. Uh, and if you're there, you kind of know what I imply without kind of going into it. But I think that as Jesus followers, we're called to live with a sense of astonishment. In the sense, in the second we lose our wonder, we lose the, the twinkle, I guess, in our eye about what it means to follow Jesus. Then we're starting, we have to realize that maybe we might be doing something wrong. We might be doing something wrong. And I wrote it down like this. You know, the people were observing Paul in disbelief because they couldn't believe who he was. They could not believe that this guy that was formerly killing people is now preaching by the same name of Jesus. And I want to encourage you. You might feel like your past is jacked up. You might feel like you've come from a long place, like you've done so many bad things. But God's love is so big. God's love is so grand that it doesn't matter what you did. He wants to invite you to living in this newness of life that only Jesus could bring. Only Jesus could bring this. And you know, the reason why, there's this verse in Romans chapter 2, verse 11. It says this, for God pays no attention to this world's distinctions. See, God's grace doesn't play favorites. I love how at times we develop this sense, this false sense of self-righteousness that, oh, that person can't be saved. That person can't come to faith in Jesus. That They're not good enough. I know what they've done. I know who they are at work. (laughs) I see them outside church. You don't want to see that person get saved. But God's grace is so good that it invites the rich and the poor. It invites the sick and the healthy, the righteous and the evil. And and we're invited into this family of who God has called us to be as a church. Grace doesn't play favorites. And this morning you might think that church is for this select category of people that you might have never been able to feel a part of. And, you know, today I I am who I am. I kind of like what Paul says, I am who I am by the grace of God. But I always find this a sense of irony because I grew up in church. Who grew up in church? I guess like kind of I would say a lot of people. I grew up in church and uh, I I always felt super disconnected from church. You know that? I always kind of felt like I was the awkward one. I always kind of felt like I didn't belong there. I wasn't supposed to be a part of that place. But God's God's wisdom is foolishness to our minds because he uses unlikely things and he makes them according to his spirit and uses them for his will. And I want to encourage you, God's grace is open to you this morning. God's grace, and what do we mean by grace? Grace is receiving a gift that you have no prerequisite of earning into. You know, sometimes we think church is like like this this college, who's ever applied to college, right? Some courses, to get into some courses, you need what? Pre- prerequisites, right? You need prerequisites. And sometimes we have this approach that church needs to be a place where we have prerequisites before entering into. And I want to let you know that, that you are here. You are welcomed here. Isn't that right, church? You are welcomed here. It doesn't matter what prerequisites you have. You are welcomed here. You see, on the baptism shirts, we have this, this, this saying. Hello, new me. Goodbye, old me. Now, it doesn't mean that this person, you know, your relationship with this person differs. It doesn't mean that if they were your, you know, your brother before, they're no longer your brother, your uncle before. No, it's, it's this symbolic gesture that, that baptism is like this restart. It's this rebirth of who you were into who you are. Now, it's not that the water, there's nothing special about this water, Okay. You you can't bottle it up. I wouldn't suggest you drinking it when you go home. Uh, There's nothing holy about that water. It is water, DDO water, okay? And if you live in DDO, you know what I meant by that emphasis on DDO water, okay? I grew up in Laval, okay? I I took for granted tap water, okay? Now I I can't really, I'm sorry, DDO, Pure Font, this is a messy situation. But there's nothing special about that water. It's symbolic, and if you, and we said Friday that if you don't live the change the water implies, then all you did was take a public bath. All it is is a public bath. This is what our pastor said. These are not my words. If you have a problem, email me at pastormariocatalano at fairview.com, okay? <laughs> <laughs> These are his words. I'm just, I'm just quoting our pastor. I love our pastor. He's really he's amazing. He's amazing. <laughs> but the water, there's nothing special about the water. The water is symbolic of an implication that you are now going to live the change into this new creation of life that you're in. It's the ultimate restart button. You are rebirthed into someone new. My second point is this. Are you ready? Move past the person you pass. No, we have no more points. You have three? Okay, let's go to my second point. My second point is this. Let's not make people try my second point is: Let's not have to make people try. Look at this. Look at this. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. I, I, I used to work at the Bay. Does everybody, does any all the mothers yes shopping at the Bay, and uh, we had this rule as an employee, which was we always had to say bonjour hi all the time, okay, whether they were six or whether they were 60, we had to say bonjour, hi. You walk in, bonjour, hi, je m'appelle Jonathan, ce qu'il y a façon que je peux te aider ce matin. Like, all the time, that's how it was. All the time, like, even if I'm looking at a 13-year-old that I know you're more likely here to steal something than you are to buy something, I have to say bonjour, je m'appelle Jonathan, ce que je peux vous aider aujourd'hui. Okay, that's what I said, all the time. My dad's like, talk slower, please. (laughs) But we had this rule that you walk into a place and you have to say bonjour, hi. And you know what, what makes me laugh that sometimes as a church we don't even have that rule. There should be this unwritten rule that it doesn't matter how awkward it's going to be to say hi to this stranger and say, Bonjour, hi, my name is so-and-so. What is it? What is it? Shouldn't that be a rule that we apply to our church? <laughs> like, you know, and I think, and I think it's cause sometimes we take for granted how difficult it is for someone to come to church on a Sunday morning. They're feeling awkward. They don't know what they should, they should have worn this morning. They see people with ripped jeans. They see people with suits on. They're like, what am I in? Like, <laughs> you know, like if, you, if you're scared of them, imagine how much more scared they are of you, you know. And so we ought to have this rule that welcomes people, that we're going to say, bonjour, hi, or, hola, come estas, like whatever it takes. But you're going to feel welcome this morning. Paul tries to join the church. Can you imagine if it depended on those disciples, Paul would have never been welcomed into church. Now, I think Paul had the kind of personality that he didn't really care whether he was accepted or not. He was going to do what he was supposed to do. But if it depended on those disciples, he wouldn't have came back to church the next Sunday. And I wonder how many people don't come back the next Sunday because they had to try and them trying wasn't enough for them to stay. And I and I pray that as a church we have this culture that says you are welcome, you belong. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter whether you believe or behave. You are welcome in this place. Bonjour, hi, bonjour, hi. Look to the person next. To you say bonjour, hi, <laughs> bonjour, hi. <laughs> you know, and I and I really think, I really think, you know, Paul comes into this place, and it's like they have levels of spirituality. They have levels of what it looks like to believe in Jesus, what it looks like not to believe in Jesus. And Paul did not fit into that category of people. And you know, the thing is, I think why it's so important, and I'm not saying to compromise holiness for the sake of making somebody feel welcome, but I think it's important to understand at the same time that before we speak about sin that people don't understand, we ought to put emphasis on a Savior that loves them first. Because, and I'll like, se you start to speak italiano, cioè voi non capite perché io sono italiano you voi siete canadese, allora quello che sto dicendo non mi capite. Who understood what I said? Maybe, like, 3% of the people that are here. Why? No. <laughs> no. Why? Because I'm speaking a language you don't understand. Now, it doesn't mean that what I'm saying is not true. It just means that you can't understand because you are not what I am. And the thing is sometimes people come into church, we begin to use a language that they don't understand. Not because sin isn't sin, but because they are not part of the heavenly citizenship that you are a part of. And so when people come in, I'm not saying that we ought to put less emphasis on what is sin, what is not sin. But don't begin to speak about how someone is unless they know who Jesus is first. Look at when Jesus, look in John chapter 8, the woman who's committed adultery is in the act of adultery. She's most likely naked. People are ready to cast stones at her. But you know what he does first? He He has this posture. He has this gesture of protection first. He protects first. He welcomes her in first and then says, what you're doing, do no longer, sin no longer. Your sins have been forgiven. We have to have this welcoming posture first. Don't speak a, a language that, that people don't understand yet. Man, when was the last time, I kind of said it before, but when was the last time you were scared of someone that has walked into this place? The disciples were afraid of Paul. And I, and I could give you examples of, of people. I remember there's this one kid that came to the ruins and he always used to come with a, a McDonald's sippy cup, okay? And um, I could clearly tell he was very intoxicated. And um, and uh, I greeted him. And he would smell like alcohol, and I was like, "Okay, this is weird." But and I remember he kept two earphones in while I would preach all the all, all the time. Uh, now I can understand if you find me boring, you don't like me. It's cool. I understand. I might not like you, but but I have the mic, and so I, I remember I would like look at the people, and I would see these two earphones. This guy's playing music over my voice. I'm like, a part of me is like, "Why are you even here?" This with you know tonight, but he's there. He's there. He's there. And I kind of remember one Friday uh, during the messages, McDonald's sippy cup is in there. And uh, he has like one earphone in, one earphone out. And so if you know me, like I, I, I hold nothing here. Like I'll tell you what I'm thinking, okay. And so I go up to this person and let's just call him uh, Samuel. And it's not Samuel, please don't It's not Samuel Bermudez, don't worry. <laughs> Samuel's dad is looking at me in the back. He's like, no, no, like what? Is there something? Okay. But, uh, and so I go up to this this guy, we'll call him Sammy. And I'm like, uh, bro, I'm like, wow, this is the first time I see the inside of your ye- ear in one year. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't even, that's, you have a beautiful ear. I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, well, I just decided that I want to take this initiative maybe to start listening and to draw in closer to God. It's kind of a new year. I want to give God a chance. Now, the thing is, something like that doesn't happen. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not minimizing. I don't encourage you coming to church drunk on Sunday mornings. Please don't. But at the same time, we need to have this posture of our heart that says, come, hear who Jesus is, and watch how Jesus begin to change the life. Even the parts that we don't address. I have people that have come up to me on Friday nights and say, you ruined smoking weed for me. I'm like, wait, what? I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? Like, I, I, I can't, ever since I started doing this Jesus thing, I just can't, I, I don't enjoy getting high anymore. I'm like, explain, because I didn't really mention drugs on Friday night. Maybe I should, but I didn't, I never really put emphasis on that. He's like, well, I just, ever since I started coming to church, ever since I began reading my Bible and praying, I just can't do the things I used to do before. Now, the thing is, and I'm saying I'm trying to be as raw and honest as possible, but the reality is that sometimes we get this enamored idea of what church is. And we think that people need to wake up, you know, like all the tattoos they had before are gone. Everything, You know, they transform into a, a different person overnight. But in reality, sometimes life, sometimes change is a journey and it's not a moment. I mean, a moment could be catalytic, it could be instrumental, it could be decisive into long change. But sometimes we have to be able as a church to journey with this individual, journey with a person. And I'm going to go to my last point. It's this. The church grows when it's people journey together. The church grows when it journeys together. Look what it says in verse 31. What does it say? The church was strengthened so they enjoyed a time of peace, was, in, uh, was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord, and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. I love how we want to we wanna grow in numbers, but we don't want to journey with people. We want to grow, we want to get bigger, but we're not willing to do the messy work of what it looks like to journey with people. And I think as a church, it should be our priority to pursue the people that are marginalized, pursue the people that are forgotten, pursue the people that nobody else would say hi to and begin to welcome them and not avoid them. Begin to welcome them and not avoid them. Jesus was known, his, one of his, his reputation titles, one of his names on the street, okay? You know what it was? He was the friend of sinners. He was the friend. Can you imagine God comes down on earth? There, you know, if you read the Gospels, I encourage you to read the Gospels. It's amazing. You know, Jesus gets, they call him uh, demon-possessed. Like, imagine God, your demon Like, what? Like, that's kind of weird, okay? But one of his names was the, the friend of sinners because he would befriend and he would associate himself with people that are so unlikely and did not fit in the paradigm of religion that Israel or Jewish people had at the time. He was known as the friend of sinners, but the thing is, if we're not willing to journey with people, we're not willing to walk with people, we won't be encouraged. Because it, honestly, it's a blessing to see someone grow, isn't it? It's not instantaneous. And, and today, I want, you know, I, I'm happy. I told you, I'm celebrating. My uncle is getting baptized this morning, my mom's brother. And I, yeah, I'm excited. I'm, uh, <laughs> I love him. But, you know, he grew up in the same household as my mom. And this morning, we had a talk over coffee. And, um, man, I, he almost started making me cry, like, in my kitchen, okay, and we were talking, and he was saying, he's like, you know, he's like, he's like it, it's, it's funny how <laughs> what my mother prayed for is only happening 50, I won't give away his age, but I'll say, th- <laughs> I'll say he's, like, he's like, I hate you, he's like, let's just say what my mother prayed for, there was a 35-year gap between what she prayed for and what has happened. And I find it crazy because my grandmother died in the hope and she would pray. And he was saying, you know, people would come over to her house. They would pray for him. He'd be like, ah, oh, stop praying for me. This is weird. But I love how a seed that was planted so many years ago is bearing fruit now now and I'm saying are we going to have the patience, are we going to have faith and I want to encourage the parents that maybe your children are coming, maybe your siblings aren't coming, maybe your, your mother, your father is not saved watch out because there is a seed that is being planted by your prayers there is a seed that is being planted by the text that you send, the calls doesn't matter whether they keep saying no I'm not coming to church this morning, I'm not coming to church this morning but continue to believe that the seed, the seed is being planted Paul says that for those who don't give up do not do not grow ill of doing good, for in due time you will reap what you sow. What are we sowing today that we want to reap tomorrow? Praise God, because seeds that are planted 30 years before are being, a bit more, but 30 years before are being grown today. And I just want to conclude with this, and I'm done. It's pretty good. At 12 o'clock, I told Pastor out, and I was done. But look at this. Where are you journeying towards? Where are you journeying towards? Look at and, and today is Palm Sunday. And I want to read these verses, but look at this. This is, the, this is the, the triumphal entry of when Jesus walks into Jerusalem with his donkey. This is kind of the celebration, the commemoration of what we do on Palm Sunday. And I want to read the passage. It says, the next day the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And they took palm branches and went out to meet him shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. And Jesus found the young donkey and sat on it as it was written, don't be afraid, daughter of Zion. See your king is coming seated on donkey's colt. And now look what verse 16 says. This is is the, the, the passage that speaks to me. At first his disciples didn't understand this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been done and written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now verse 17. Many people from that was with him. Sorry. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus. Oh, thank you. But the crowd that was with him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed that miracle when he resurrected one of his best friends, Lazarus, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, see this is getting nowhere. Look at how the whole world has gone after him. Now I read this passage because A, it's Palm Sunday, B, because this is what I want to close with. Now, it's funny because if you read the whole um, completion of that gospel, you'll see that most likely the same crowd that was chanting Hosanna, Hosanna, would soon be chanting crucify him, crucify him. We want Jesus. We want Barabbas and not Jesus. But I love how Jesus was on his way towards Jerusalem. He was on his way. He was journeying towards Jerusalem. And, and, and it kind of goes back to what we were saying this morning. You are journeying somewhere. You, the, every step that you take, every decision that you make is a journey that is bringing you to an ultimate destination. And Jesus' decision to enter Jerusalem, he knew that it was likely that that was the last time, that was the last trip that he would be making with his disciples. Because upon entering Jerusalem, he would not yet leave Jerusalem because he was called to die in Jerusalem. Actually, he would, be, he would actually be crucified outside of Jerusalem. But I want to, and this is why we celebrate next week, Resurrection Sunday, Good Friday. Friday was good. You know, the only reason that Friday was good was because Jesus decided to journey to Jerusalem. And out of his journeying in Jerusalem, we get to live this new life found in Jesus. And I want to encourage you this morning. And we're done. But I want to encourage you this morning. You are journeying somewhere. And, you know, my goal, our goal as Christian isn't to, to, you know, minimize, you know, salvation into I want to go to heaven, I don't want to go to hell. Man, you know what I'm realizing as I grow in my walk with God? That I don't so much care, not just, I mean, I, I will rephrase that. It's not that I don't care about going to heaven. It's not that I want to go to heaven. I want to see how many people I can bring with me to heaven. And that's the journey that Jesus calls us to walk. It's, it's journeying in a way that we bring people with us. We bring people like Paul. We bring people like Saul. And I praise God because I believe that Fairview is a journeying church, isn't it? It's a journeying church. And I just want to pray and we're going to have the, um, the testimonies, but I want to pray for you. And maybe if we could just bow, bow your head and, and close your eyes for a moment. We're all journeying somewhere. And maybe you realize this morning that, that the journey, the steps that you're taking are towards a direction that, that you know to yourself in your heart of hearts that is contrary to them what God has called you. That God has called you to live a higher calling, not in sin, but in pursuit of a Savior. And I want to pray for you this morning. Maybe you feel like, like you want Jesus to be the center of your journey. I want to pray this morning. I want to invite you to, to, to make that decision. God, thank you so much for every heart that's here this morning. Lord, we're celebrating those who are choosing to be baptized today, but I'm sure that because of the seed that is being planted, we will reap a harvest of people today that came for someone else's baptism and will see themselves meeting the Savior that their friend or family has been professing today, oh God. Lord, we pray that as a church you would give us the patience and the grace, although it may not always be eloquent, it may not always be pretty, but Lord, give us the grace as a church, as your body, to show the same patience that you show, us towards other people, to show that same love that at times is never paid back, oh God, to those who we feel like maybe don't love us in the same way that we would like for them. God, be with us, we pray. Thank you because we have this privilege to
1: celebrate people choosing you this morning. Lord, we thank you. It eggs or bunnies. A good meal maybe. A company of our friends. But nothing more will change your life. But if the resurrection is truthful. If Jesus was raised from the death. This can have a tremendous impact in your life. This can change your life forever. This can determine your final destination. Your destiny. Eternal destiny. Would you like to stand with me in God's presence this morning? In Lord, lords of lords. That's why we need to be appreciative of the grace of God. And the last affirmation that the author is saying here That is superior to the angels. Now, let me say something here. In this epistle, in this few chapters, 13 times the term or the adjective superior is mentioned. Now, for us, we have a certain idea. Yeah, angels. Why the Bible mentioned the fact that it's superior to the angels? In that context where the people were reading the, the letter, they thought the angels were superior to the priests because they were a mediator between God and man. So some of them, they were worshipping angels. They had such a high respect for angels. But the author here says that Jesus is superior to the angels. That was the context of the time that the writer wrote this epistle. Don't you think it's today the same in the New Age philosophy where they say about angels speaking to them? Angels that are, they worship, some praise to the angels? We don't have angels to pray. The only person to receive prayers is Jesus Christ. He will send angels to us. But we are not called to worship angels. Angels are not superior to Christ. They are ministering for him towards us. Don't you know that you will receive a reward that the angels cannot have? Angels cannot have the reward that one day we will see and receive. They don't have the joy of redemption that you and I have experienced. They cannot sing the song of the redemption because they never experienced that. So you and I are more blessed than angels. Can you imagine how much superior is the Son of God? And it was clear Jesus is superior to the angels for the name that He received. That's why at the end we will see that the author claims that the Son is superior in all things. It brings in these four verses of this chapter the majestic superiority and supremacy of Jesus Christ and let me conclude with some final application for you and I what we must do first of all we must give attention to what God says because God's still speaking don't take with superficiality what the message of the Bible is God speaking to us through His Son I love what uh, B.F. Westcott, one of the major scholars of the New Testament, says, even almost two centuries ago. The revelation in Christ is perfect, both in substance and in form. The revelation of God is perfect, both in substance and in form. Again, John Calvin comments, On this passage. It was not a part of the word that Christ brought. But the last closing word that he mentioned to us. That's why the Bible says to have an ear to hear what the Spirit says. And then we must recognize that we are rebellious by default. By default you and I are rebellious to God. By default we tend to resist the Spirit of God. I pray today that you and I, being aware that by default we resist the Spirit of God, we say, Lord, by default we are like this, but today I want to surrender to you. I give up, Lord. I give up. Be my God. Look what Hebrews 3 12, 15 says. Take care, brothers. That's not my words, but the Word of God. Take care, brothers. Lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. Unbelieving heart. Leading you to fall away from the living God. The unbelieving heart will lead you to fall away from the living God. That's why my prayer for you and I is, Lord, change my heart. Where there is unbelief, bring faith. But then, it's not just to pay attention, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Sin will deceive you, will bring far from God. For we have to come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today, not tomorrow, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. And my quest to you do not harden your heart. Do not be deceived by sin. God has a better plan for you, God has a, a better way for you to prosper. And that's why the solution is we must draw near to the throne of grace. There is no condemnation. Condemnation brings shame and guilt. Conviction brings redemption and hope in Jesus Christ.